Bishop, thanks. Good morning. This morning's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's on page 1145 of the Red Bibles. Page 1145, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have a purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation, Using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be reve revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the Holy Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. 
So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Thanks, Andrew and Candy. Do keep that open. We're going to be continuing this morning in 1 Corinthians, which we've been looking at together in the mornings over the last little while. And as we do, I'm going to pray and ask for God's help. Father, we thank you for your word to us. Please help us to hear it, to understand it. Please help us to know where we need to change and to see how Christ changes us. In his name we pray. Amen. So I can remember one of the first serious arguments I ever had. I was about five years old and I was at school on the playground. And I don't remember how it started between me and my friend. Might have been to do with our lunch and what we were given. Might have been to do with a Pokemon card. I can't remember. But it escalated and we argued and we argued until I dealt what I thought would be the decisive blow. Do you want to know what I said? I said to him, my brother's bigger than your brother. (laughs) Knockout, surely. But no, he came back at me. Do you know what he said? No, my brother's bigger than your brother. On one hand... Kind of funny, stupid, childish argument. On the other hand, an insight into a common, serious, ugly problem that we all have. Rivalry, boasting, jealousy, quarreling. So whenever the Apostle Paul hears about jealousy and quarreling in the church in Corinth. He hears that some are saying, I follow Paul, and others are saying, I follow Apollos. He is not happy. And he's addressing it in these verses this morning. So in verse 1, he calls them infants, which in the Greek that he wrote in is nepoi, which apparently is the word we use for nappy. It's clean, I promise. So actually, um, being like five-year-olds in the playground is kind of generous. No, Paul is saying you're infants, if you're thinking this way. You're babies. You need to stop boasting. Stop being childish. And so verses one one to three, have a look. What does he say the problem is? They're not acting by the Spirit. Now, he does say they are in Christ. So he is, he's writing to Christians here. He's writing to a church. And he's not saying you guys mustn't be Christians. He's just saying you are Christians, but you're acting like the world. So the story in this church was that Paul had come and he had told them the gospel. He had laid the foundation that was Jesus Christ. Christ crucified. Later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
Here's how he says what he told them when he first arrived. This is the foundation that he's talking about. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day and appeared to the disciples according to the scriptures. So Paul is saying the foundation of your church and everything I did there is Christ crucified. Humble Christ. Christ who wanted what was best for others. Christ who died in sacrificial love. But after Paul had left, it seems they had forgotten about what Christ was like and what the message of the cross meant. And they had started to think like the world. They had started to become confident in their leaders. The world around them said, a bit like our own world, impressive leaders, that's what we need for success. So can you see why the problem is so serious? They have forgotten Christ, the foundation, trusting in leaders instead. And they're preventing the church from growing because they're falling out and being jealous and bickering, quarreling. They need to stop being childish. So are we similar? How do we view our leaders? When you're going along to your Bible study or your home group, do you have an unhealthy confidence in some leaders and maybe a lack of trust in others? I hope it's him leading this evening. Then I'll really get something. If it's not, I probably won't. Or you're on camp and you find out who your dorm leader is and you think, not her. I'm not gonna, not gonna learn anything from her. It's okay to appreciate our leaders. It's okay to say thank you for them. Absolutely. It's even okay to say yes. Sometimes I find one more helpful than another. But if that leads to putting others down, and if that leads to us not trusting in God to work through them, we're acting like children. And maybe we think this not just about leaders, but as we think about the groups that we're in, like our church, or the camp that we go to, or the CU that we're a part of. So no, you mightn't say it, but you come here to Grosvenor and you think, yeah, this is, this is probably the best church in Dublin. It's bigger than most. We meet twice on Sundays. Do you know our history? Or you're at college and you've got a friend at another CU and they just seem to be doing everything really well. And you ask them how that event was and they say it was, it was great. Loads of people came. The person who spoke was really good. And you, you, know, you nod along but inside you're, you're a bit jealous of them. That's being childish. And I guess the problem in all of this is really how we think about ourselves because you know that that argument in the playground it had nothing to do with our brothers it's always about our own boasting and confidence in ourselves isn't it and sometimes that's obvious you know when I'm sitting at my desk preparing a sermon and I'm thinking I hope people are impressed by this I hope they think that I know a lot and I'm clever that's childish In all of this, we are forgetting Christ the foundation, and instead of building each other up, we're tearing each other down. 
That is what our quarreling and our boasting, whether that's just an attitude that you keep in here, or whether it comes out like it did for the Corinthians, it's a serious problem. We're forgetting God, forgetting Christ, and not building each other up. We're being childish, but thankfully, Paul's going to help us. So, what he does, first of all, in verses 5 to 9, is he gives us this picture of a field. And we're going to look at those verses for a bit, and we're going to see how this picture of a field helps us think about ourselves and think about our leaders properly. So the story is, as we said, Paul had planted the church. And in this picture of the field, he's saying he planted the seed. And then Apollos, another leader, came afterwards and watered it. But the key thing that Paul is saying in this picture, and for us this morning, is that God grows. So he starts by saying that he and Apollos are only servants. Now, he's talking about them being farmers. That was not a glamorous job in Corinth. Being a servant on a farm was not impressive, didn't give you a high status. One writer says that Paul is basically calling himself the ploughboy and Apollos the waterboy. Uneducated, unimpressive, not appreciated or admired, just servants. Paul planted Apollos watered. Can you imagine Apollos had gone around um, the soil with his watering can and looked for all the seeds and picked them out and threw them away and then watered it? It would be ridiculous. If he's doing that, he's losing sight of what they're actually trying to achieve. They're on the same team. The leaders are on the same team. The people who follow them are on the same team. To do that would be childish. He also says that they are nobodies. This is important because, again, this is somewhere we think differently from the world around us. In the church, in God's church, leaders are kind of nobodies. We shouldn't think the way the world does about leadership. Leaders are servants working together. Not anything. It's what Paul says. And that's all okay because at the end of the day, God grows. You see, the key thing in this picture is that the growing is God's work. Now, planting seeds and watering, hard work. Paul's not denying that. It's real work. But the amazing work, the effective work of actual growth is God's. Only by his design can anything grow. He's the one who makes the sun shine. He's the one who decides when the rain falls. He designed the seed. He designed the soil. He designed the leaves so that they would all work together and grow. And he oversees growth. That's true for a plant in a field. And that's true in the church. God grows. So the ploughboy and the water boy are not that appreciated in society. On their way home from a hard day's work, no one's asking for their picture. There's no admiration. 
but they are appreciated by the owner of the field, by their Lord. God appreciates those who labor in his field. Verse 8, we're told, each will be rewarded according to their own labor. He watches them from the house, sees when they're working in the field, sees when they take a break. And he's so pleased to see his servants working hard. He even sees when the seeds don't grow that well. But do you notice what it says? Each is rewarded according to his own labor. Not just rewarded if the planting goes well and you get a good crop. No, God sees the effort. He decides how well the crop goes. I think that's really encouraging for anyone who feels like they're working hard, but not seeing much growth. And we're going to come back to this idea of God rewarding in a few minutes. But first, I just want us to think about how that picture of the field and Paul's description of himself and Apollos as the workers in the field helps us as we think about leaders and our church and ourselves. If someone is, is leading a, you in a Bible study and, and treating Christ as the foundation, that is God's worker. And God is more than able to use that person to grow you. And when we are um, maybe led and looking up to someone we do like and do appreciate, absolutely say thanks, absolutely praise God. Thank God that everything he or she ever does for you that is at all useful, that at all causes growth, is because of God. God grows. Any person working without Christ as the foundation and without God doing the growth would be like someone just watering a plastic plant. No growth. Let's think about our church or our CU or whatever that is as well. Okay, when it's going well, thank God. And yeah, at times we have to look at others and ask, okay, are they laying the foundation of Christ? Do they believe in Christ crucified and are they building on him and are they true to his word? We do have to ask those questions. But if they are, then we're on the same team. They're not our rivals. We don't need to be jealous. Verse 5 is really encouraging. The Lord has assigned to each his task. We've all got different jobs. Some might look more important, some might look less important, some might seem to go well, some not so much. We've all got different tasks, but God grows. And if we're his workers, we're on the same team, don't need to be jealous, don't need to be rivals. Okay, we then move on in these verses from the picture of the field to this picture of a building from verse 10 through to 15. So in all of this, I think what Paul is doing is he's saying, here's how I think about myself as a leader and Apollos as a leader. Now you take that and you think the same way about leaders. But I think he's also saying you take that and you think that way about yourself in your own work as well. So if you look um, verse 10, each one should build with care. Verse 12, 
if anyone builds. This is slightly more open language. He's not just talking about the leaders here. He's saying that everyone who's in, everyone's part of God's people, in God's church, in Christ, is a builder in some way. Ephesians 4 confirms that. Here's what that says. God gave leaders to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We are all builders. If you're in this room, if you're in Christ, if he's your foundation, you are a builder, even if you don't think of yourself as a leader. And that is the key, Christ the foundation. Verse 11. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so the question we have for whatever we're doing in church life and trying to build up is, is Christ the foundation here? Are we building on him? Is that our work in this church? And just as we saw with the picture of the plant in the field, so we see here, that those who are building on Christ the foundation will be rewarded. God will reward his builders. They must build with care. They must build with the right materials. So Paul gives us this picture of the foundation of Christ and then the materials being used. Verse 12. If a man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown what it is, because the day will bring it to light. And then he talks about the day of fire, the day of testing. So if you look at that list of materials, which ones will survive fire? The first three. Gold, silver, costly stones. Good materials, good building. Wood, hay, straw, leaves, up in flames, flammable. I had a building surveyor over at the house I live in recently, checking out its structure, its integrity. And so he, he just goes around, tapping the walls. It's the kind of thing dads do when they go into houses as well, isn't it? Tapping the walls, checking the corners, doing some measurements, asking the question, this house looks like it's built well, but is it really? Paul is saying that God will test the work that we are doing for him on that day. He will examine it with a test of fire. Verse 13, the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. So it's really key to know this is, this is talking about testing the work of people who are building God's church. So earlier in the chapter, we saw that Paul is talking to believers, he's talking to the church here, and the question is, are you building well or not? It's not a question of, will you be judged as innocent because of Jesus or not? If you're in Christ, that's a separate judgment. This is talking about those who are Christians, asking the question, will the work that we're doing for God, the building that we're doing, last? Will it be rewarded? So, for example, this isn't talking about like purgatory, saying if you haven't worked hard, you'll have to go through purgatory and be refined. Because it's not the person who's being tested by fire, it's just their work. 
And what I think is so encouraging about this, just like um, the bit earlier that we said about God rewarding according to to the person's labor, is that God wants to reward. That's his decision to do that. I I went for a job interview once um, a while ago. I was about college age, and I I didn't have a clue about anything. And it was a job um, like selling broadband supplier. And so I went to the office all dressed up for my interview. And instead of going for an interview, the boss said, okay, um, this is Steve. He's going to take you out to do some sales. I thought, okay, well, this is it's fine. I'll go. I'll follow him. It's a cold, wet, horrible Christmas winter's day. And what we do is we go into this housing estate and we knock on doors and we try and get people to change to this new broadband company. And about halfway through, I realized what was going on. I realized that this is a job where you're paid on commission only. You are paid if you have a successful sale, but not if you don't. And when I realized that, I thought, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for at the minute. I don't want to do this. I don't have the energy for this. This other guy's great, but I'm struggling. I want a job where I'm not just paid for success, Paid for doing my best. Paid for trying. For effort. And I think that maybe one of the reasons why we feel like we need to impress others and boast about things is because we don't know that God appreciates what we see and he wants to reward our efforts. He is generous in how he rewards. He's more like the teacher who asks the question and one of the kids gives an answer that's pretty far off but the teacher kind of tries to find a connection and sort of brings them in and says yeah okay we got there well done they they want the child to get there god wants us to do well and wants to reward us and if i really believe that about him looking at what i'm trying to do for him i'm going to work hard i'm going to trust more i'm going to rest Be less anxious. Pray more. If I really believe that God wants to reward, that's going to help us in our building, isn't it? And so what might it look like for us to be builders? Maybe you don't think about yourself as much of a builder. Maybe you don't think of yourself as much of a leader like Paul or Apollos or whoever's here. And there's quite a famous story in one of the Gospels of a poor widow who gives two coins, all she has, into the offering in the temple. And Jesus sees that, and he loves it. And he commends her for it. And he says to those who are watching, look at her. What she gave was gold, silver, costly stones in his eyes. Mightn't have been in the eyes of the world because she didn't have as much as others, but because of her attitude... And because she was given what she did have, Jesus is saying, gold, silver, costly stones. And he will reward her for that. In her case, that was giving financially. There's so many ways we can give and build, isn't there? It can be just unseen, quiet acts of love. Going and and talking to that person who you feel like they could maybe do with someone to listen to them. Or they're new even though you're feeling a little bit tired and would rather talk to someone you do know or just nobody. 
That's the kind of gold that God will reward. I do think praying is a big thing we can do here. Praying is something that no one else is going to see. But God sees. And Jesus specifically says that God will reward those who pray well and pray quietly, knowing that their Father is watching and listening. That's a way to love others without being impressive, without being seen. And again, I think we need to work hard to make sure we're not just thinking the way that the world thinks about all of this. Not thinking, I need to be special, I need to be impressive. That's the way the world thinks. Um, on the back of my bike, I've got a little mud guard. And what it says on the mud guard is, never accept ordinary. And I saw that and I thought, the mud guard is the most ordinary part of a bike. I'm quite happy with a normal, boring, does its job, ordinary mud guard. That's what I want. But the world will tell us, you need to be special, you need to be different from the rest. But God will be just happy with ordinary a lot of the time. He will reward that. So we're going to finish with a quick look at the last few verses. So we've had the picture of the field, seeing that God grows. Picture of the building, seeing that we can build and God rewards that. And then Paul gives this warning. And the first warning, I guess, is against those who are in the church but aren't building well. He's saying, build more, build better. The warning in 16 to 17 is for those who are not just not building, but are destroying God's church. God views his people as his building. His temple. Where he lives. And can you believe that he sees us as sacred it's no wonder that he wants to grow us up and he wants us to build each other up well and it's no wonder is it that he will destroy verse 17 anyone who doesn't anyone who tears the church down God will destroy them that is a serious warning because God's love for his church is serious and so as we finish again just a quick look at 18 to 23 I think there's a reminder here that we don't need to be like the world around us so Paul's kind of started with the fact that they're all boasting in their leaders and trying to be like the world and he kind of circles back to this again don't be don't be like the world that's foolish that's childish Remember that God is the one who grows and he is the one who rewards. Verses 22 to 23. End of 21, sorry. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Our identity, what we're part of, our reward in the future is greater than what we can ever get here in this world. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I think the group are going to come up and do the final song and then we'll close in prayer.